uh, tongues, tongues with interpretation, stuff like that, healing. You can walk right into that the moment you receive Christ. That's what you're, you know you're a miracle. Did you know that? The fact that you're not going to go to hell is a miracle. Out of all the dirt that you've done, out of all the wickedness you've done, that is a miracle. So the miracle working power that got you saved is inside of you to operate. The moment you give your heart to Christ, there ain't no time. Now there's measures and growth in it. But you, you can literally receive every bit of the spirit the moment you give your heart to Christ. See, we're not getting taught that because the, 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 the hireling or the person, the head of the church, thinks he's the only person that's supposed to have gifts. Only person that can pray in tongues. And if you do and you do a louder to him, something wrong. You got a, a demonic spirit. I ain't never been in church, but I know this is what's going on. I ain't been in church since I was like 14, 15 years old. The Lord blessed me. This is great, stepping into a kingdom-minded ministry. And if you were in a church or you've been in a church, you know what I'm saying. If your gift gets into operation and you don't know what to do with it and you're in there shaking up, who, who's in here got touched by the Lord and started shaking up? I done shook up before. I done trembled. I done trembled out of church and inside of church because of God. I ain't talking about being delivered. I'm talking about you don't know what to do with the Spirit being upon you. You know the Holy Spirit comes upon you? It comes upon you. Happening acts all the time. We got to know what's available to us. Everybody in this house, you giving your heart to Christ, you got the Spirit of God inside of you. The person who breathed and all creation was, was created. Now, you know, Wednesday nights, I love House of Peace because little nuggets pop out of my mind. God created all the universe, right? The universe is the only word we could describe to describe his vastness. God is bigger than our universe, folks. He's greater than that. It sits in the palm of his hand. Can you imagine all the galaxies sitting in a hand like this? You know we're made in the image and likeness of God, so God can literally sit like this. And that's why the devil hates you, because you look like God. Yeah, all of us looks like God, and he hates you because you look like God, because God's the one that caused him to come out of heaven. Because of his pride. Isn't that pride? Get mad at somebody for what you did. That is pride. But God literally has all of creation in his hands. You know what's so cool about that? He has it all in his hands, but he's giving, he's giving you dominion over it. You know you can command storms to stop? You can stop time, the sun from moving. And you can, you can tell it to dial back. I'm still on the second point. This is the spirit life. You know you can do that. There's been times where I'm out cutting grass and it looks like it's about to rain or it's about to get dark. And I say, Lord, you got, I got to finish this yard. I need you to stop the sun. I mean, like I will be driving to my next yard. It'd be like no time is left. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. I've seen a lot in my three years of uh, my conversion to Christ. I've seen a lot of wild things. I have. Uh, I'll share this now. I was going to share it later. I was at a cell phone shop for one of my siblings. He's getting a cell phone. A man walks in, didn't even notice him, standing on the side. Um, he had this cane, and it was walking. Um, so when somebody got up, he came and sat down. And this is how you always know God wants you to do something for somebody, because there's an interception of demonic activity trying to break between you and trying to rustle your feathers, try to get you out of the spirit. 
It always happens to me right before I got to pray for somebody. So I'm in there and I'm thinking, I got to pray for this dude, but I got a little attitude on me because I hate the demonic. I'm telling you that right now. In the last three months, I've seen more demonic in my life than I ever mind, ever. I've seen them manifest. Seen them show up on faces. I've seen them speak. I've seen them do crazy stuff. I mean crazy stuff. The demonic, what they do to people, they speak lies into their mind. And you don't have to say nothing, but the moment you step into a room, they start accusing you. Have you ever had that happen? You just show up home and you're getting accused and you have, no one even said hello to you yet. I've seen a lot of demonic. I've casted out some demons too. You don't got to be afraid of them because they ain't got no power. They got a big bark with no bite. And if you think they got a big bite, that's a lie. You know your imagination can fool you? How many people have watched scary movies in here? Horror films? I used to watch them. I used to have night terrors as a child. I should have known I was going to be a demon demoralizer. But fear was placed in me. For real, from a very young age. Fear was put inside of me because of what I watched. I had night terrors. Literally, things would show up in my dreams, and they would hunt me. In my dream, I would be being chased by these figures. And I'd be so afraid of demons. And demons used to show up. They used to walk past my door when I would sleep. I would see these little dark figures doing all this crazy stuff. Your boy would tuck them up <laughs> up under the covers quick. Like, that's going to stop a demon from coming to get you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How silly are we? I hate to see all this stuff. And my imagination from when I watched in horror films caused me fear in God's kingdom thinking that they had more power than God. They don't. Jesus stripped them of everything. I was talking about the man with the cane. The man had a stroke. Long story short, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray for this guy. I'm asking you to heal him right now. So I just said, hey, man, can you tell me what your condition is? He said, man, I had a stroke. It was a very sad story. I still talk to him now. I pray for him. You ever seen somebody with a stroke? Right, their arms kind of like this and his hands kind of bent like that. They have no strength or no kind of virtue in their hand. So I pray by saying, let me pray for you. Pray for his, his whole left side. Nothing happens. Like, God, I, you know, I want to see your kingdom power. I believe he can be healed. I know he, believe, he's a, he was a believer. He know he could be healed. He's already seen miracles. Nothing happens. So we continue. We're just talking. As we're talking, his hand starts to stretch out. Have you ever seen anything like that? I'm talking about something that doesn't even have strength. And he was like, look, my hand is stretching out. And we both sat there like, yeah, that was supposed to happen. I haven't even told that. That's happened almost, it was happening uh, during Thanksgiving time. Have yet to tell that testimony. You know, the man with the withered hand, his hand literally started to do like this. Can you imagine the power of God being used to heal somebody? And you're the person. Don't y'all want to be that? Don't y'all want to be the person that just exercises dominion over the enemy? Not just, the, not just your circumstance, but literally the enemy. Spirit life, where God is most important above everything. We've seen some wild things, me and Tori. Tori's crazy on fire for the Lord, too. Y'all know about the story about her praying for my nephew. One of his legs was short. I love telling this testimony because I don't get tired of it. You can hear it a hundred times. She prays for him. One of his legs is literally an inch longer than the other. Ask Mimi. She's too young to lie. She's holy. She's, she's pure. 
You ain't gonna lie. And um, as she's praying, the leg does this. Now this moment, we're all in shock, like, oh my God, <laughs> his leg stretched out. What'd you feel, Keyshawn? <laughs> Keyshawn, like, I, I didn't feel nothing. And he ran around the house. A week later, Uncle Chris, I'm running. I don't even feel any pain. Because before, he felt pain. Legs stretch out just like this. Boom. Crazy. That's not it. We're doing a youth conference. And the Lord put on my heart to ask people to come up for prayer. Anybody who needed healing in their body. Um, so this woman comes up who had back surgery 10 years ago. Can you imagine having back issues from a surgery you had 10 years ago and it progressively is getting worse? I said, all right, well, let's just pray. And I ain't doing no fancy prayers, guys. In the name of Jesus, we command your back to be healed. Stuff like that. So we're praying. I'll never forget this. This is when God was really using us early in uh, miracles and healing. And uh, I'm getting somewhere. So y'all bear with me, okay? Because we're in the spirit life. I'm getting to some points. I pray for the lady back. She bends over. I say, how you feel? You got any pain? She said, yeah, just a little. I said, thank you for being honest. I pray for her a second time. So what I always do, and this is something you guys can practice if you're praying for somebody publicly or whatever, you always challenge them to do something they've never done. So a person has back issues, they may not be able to bend over like this. They may be able to not do stuff like this or like that, right, without feeling pain. So I say, let's do something you couldn't do. After the first time I prayed, she said she still had pain after she did some stuff. I said, let's do it. Let's pray. And then you, you try some stuff. Every ounce of pain left her body. And this is how I knew it was so crazy. It confused me because I didn't know how she was responding. Everything she couldn't do, she sat there and did for like 10 minutes because she was in such awe. Have you seen anybody do? Well, some of you guys have because of working out, but literally did squats, stuff like this, 10 minutes. I walked away and prayed for other people and she kept doing it. Who was there? You saw it, didn't you? Stuff like that. There was a kid at, uh, I told this testimony too, but I love telling it. Because it's not me, folks. Every moment I get, get ready to do it, I'm, there is an ounce of me that says, okay, if this doesn't happen, I'm making God a liar. And God is not a liar. He wants them to be healed. I mean, I take the youth to uh, cookout. I'm starving. We're on this fast. It's like the last couple of days before the fast. And I've been strong up until this point, And I'm smelling all this good food. I love it. Any moment, I can just tear into a burger, God. <laughs> and then the word was, the word the Lord gave me is that um, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. That's what it was. So God sent a boy in there that was deaf. Had two hearing aids in. I, out of everybody, out of all the youth, I'm the only person that noticed him. And the moment that happened, my focus came off of food. And I'm trying to figure out ways how I can approach the child and approach the mom without interrupting their dinner. Because I don't want God to be rushed. I don't want nobody to be rushed. I don't want nobody to feel uncomfortable. Basically, I stake out this woman and her being done with dinner. And Carla and Mamie came that night. I went and talked to them 20 minutes. And I say, Lord, if you want me to pray for this woman, she's going to come out the moment I'm walking back in the building. Yo, the craziest thing, I'm leaving Carla and Mamie. The woman is walking out the building. But the moment I get to the door, she, man, who, who's been in the military? She had the meanest about face. The meanest. She just hit a co I don't even know how, I know how to do it. Like, just like this, boom. She was gone. I probably even did it wrong. But she hit the door, and the moment I got to the door, she turned around, hit the, went right to the bathroom. I said, God, I know I'm supposed to pray for this child. And um, I waited. I sat at a chair a distance away from her. 
watch the bathroom door. I think the young man was taking a, uh, using a restroom. And when they came out, I basically ran to her. And I said, ma'am, I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, I noticed your son, and I want to pray for him. And this is the first word she said out of her mouth. She said, it's not crazy. We just went to the doctor today, and the doctor told me that his hearing would never get better. <laughs> his hearing would never get better. And God showed me this child to defy what the enemy had spoken over him. I said, okay, let's pray. I'm telling you, it's really no shebang to it. It's no formula. You just show up and you, and you do what God tells you to do. I'm praying for this child, and Cookout plays music over the top. Kid couldn't hear. His mom's sitting about right there. I'm telling her to say, Jesus said these different things, and because he can't hear without his hearing aids in, it's sounding like different words. He's like, pizza. Pizza, but he can't hear. So we're moving further and further back. So you, you hear the, like the instrumentals? Words with, songs with words in it are playing. We're about this far apart in the restaurant, and he's hearing everything she says. The mom is so, so in shock. I'm like, hey, let's see if we, let's take it outside and we're going to pray for him again and see what it is. Long story short, we get from that back row to about right here. Outside in the cold, I'm praying for this young man and his hearing is coming back. Can you imagine? And this, what, this is the testimony before that. When he didn't have his hearing aids in, if she was in the car in the front seat and he was in the back seat, she would have to scream at the top of her lungs. Is that not Jesus Christ? Is that not what he does? That is available to every one of us. It is. You have to be so spiritually minded and not carnal minded or fleshly minded that God wants to use you at any and every moment. And then we have to move. We have to die to being infants in Christ. Only way you grow up in God, I'm going to tell you just like this, is spending time with the one who created you. You know, your spirit have growth. It's right there on that chart. When you get born again, the man that has all power inside of you is about this big. And this man has to be fed to grow. Yeah, you got to feed your spirit, just like you got to feed your soul good things. We can't be infants anymore. Long story short, infants don't got no type of authority. They do what people tell them to do. And if you're a real infant, you're running around looking crazy because you really don't respect authority. How many people got kids in here and they run around crazy? And you like, get in here, and they running around acting crazy. That's how we look to the world out there. We're supposed to be serving God, and we out there hitting the club, doing the thing. Yeah, some of us have left the club, but we still doing stuff we're not supposed to do. Shoot, I remember when I was up in that joint, hitting it like it, like it was the best thing since sliced bread and cheese. For real. That was my life. I had to give it up. Drinking, partying, revelry, you know, that's called, that's called revelry in the Bible. They have a special word for it when you party really hard. Revelries. We got to grow up, y'all. God has called us to be sons and daughters, not babies. Babies, you say, come here, sweetie. Come here, honey. Come here, baby. Sons, you call them by name. Daughters, you call them by name. How many people have heard, call, heard God call you by name? He will call you by name. You'll be in worship and he'll say, Chris, like, who is that? Taking my headphones out. Is somebody calling me? And it really be God. He will call you by name. We want him to call us by name. Don't mean he can't call you sweetie, honey, all that stuff. But he, you know, he's the one that named you anyway. So we're moving from infancy to the spirit without measure. Can you give me John 3, 34? 
Who wants the spirit without measure? Just me. I feel you. For whom God has sent, for he whom God has spent, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the spirit by measure. Are y'all sent by God? You want to know how you know you're sent by God? You're the redeemed. You are in heaven, and God sent you out of heaven to come redeem the rest. So you're sent. But do you speak the words of God? Let's be honest. How many opportunities we have to stand up for the kingdom of Christ? And we're like, oh, man, I can't say that. I'm afraid how they're going to respond. When you open up to delivering the word of God, he's giving you the, the moment. At that moment in time, he's giving you the spirit without measure. Meaning anything that God prompts you to say is going to produce. The greatest, one of the greatest revelations Gene gave me was he said, when you pray for somebody, Chris, you have to understand that Jesus is standing right next to you, willing to perform what you're praying for. Doesn't that take the pressure off of you? It's almost as if he's putting hands on them. And I love the laying on of hands. You know why? The laying on of hands is just an act of faith. Now, we distribute, we, we administer power through the hand, but it's only by faith that it flows. When you lay hands on somebody, it's an act of faith that's saying, the moment I touch you, you're going to get exactly what you're supposed to get. The power is on the tongue, but it flows through the hand. All right, so we're, what is death? Death is the separation of two things, the old man and the new man, carnal life, spirit life, or infancy to the spirit without measure. Why must we die? So God can live. That's excellent. The first point I have, though, is uh, so we can be raised to a new life. Can you give me Romans 6, 4? We're almost done. It's only like five pages with about 20 notes. So, Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism unto death. Did y'all know y'all got baptized until his death? I can go on that for days. You know, sin has pain attached to it. So when Jesus took all our sins, he took all the pain for us. But when we come into Christ, we fellowship with the pain that he took for us. That's why when some of us get delivered, it hurts. When God is asking us to change, it hurts. Because there's pain attached to that sin. That just as Christ, and this is the best part, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. There's a raising from the dead that happens after you die. But you must be persistent in that death. You must stay dead until the spirit of God comes upon you, which is the glory of the father, to raise you from the dead. And you don't really know if somebody's dead until it's buried. You know, the old things try to resurrect themselves up in you. You say, oh, Lord, you delivered me from that. But somebody come and speak something crazy to you. And you say, Lord, let me just let this old man out one last time. Let me let this old man out. Now, nah, for real, the Lord is, I'm telling you, the Lord was testing me this week. I said it'd be just real, real good just to throw one punch. Just one. In the world, that's, sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes people want to see you act crazy. The, the enemy want to see you lose your mind. So you have fellowship with him. Here's the word. When Jesus was about to be delivered or, or about to be uh, taken from the one that deceived him or the one that had deceit in him, he told his disciples, he said, the enemy the ruler of this world is coming to get me, and he has nothing in me. Meaning no matter what Satan tried to do, 
to him, he had no power over Christ. He had no power over Jesus. So he knew it was going to happen, and he willingly gave himself up for us. Carl was praying, and man, this scripture rang in my head. He said, the enemy desires, I think that's what it says, to sift you like wheat. Oh, my gosh. You know, you read the word, and then something just really hits you. And I said, goodness gracious, what does that even mean, to be sifted like wheat? I had to look it up. I looked it up. There's a picture of, uh, I don't know, I guess it's how you, you sift wheat. But it's trying to destroy the bad from the good or separate the good from the bad. The enemy, he was talking to Peter, the enemy desires to sift you like wheat. This is what it means. He's trying to find whatever agreement he has in you. He's trying to separate what good that is in you and it's find every bit of bad that you got. If you see it, it's really shit. Yeah, he desires it. He was talking because Jesus prayed for him right after that and said, I pray that your faith will remain. So Jesus said, the enemy's coming to get me, but he has nothing in me, so he has no power over me. But us, the enemy's going to sift us like wheat because he's going to see if he has any power over us. This is the power he has over us. Unforgiveness, shame, rejection. And then it just continues on down. If we have it, when he sifts us like wheat, he still has control over us in one area of our life. The enemy desires to sift you like wheat. That's for everybody in here. He's trying to find one piece of agreement he has with you. Yeah, it may sound difficult because, man, how can I let go of these things? You don't. Jesus, have to, Jesus has to do it. The Holy Spirit has to work it. I love it because if you're a ruby, if y'all know what that means, if you know the truth, you try to work the truth. So if I know if I meditate on this word over and over and over and over and over again, I'll be delivered. But then we have just stepped back into the works which Christ died for, which is the law. That if I'm good enough, God will receive me. I'll have eternal life. Don't work that way, folks. It's only by the spirit of God that we can be delivered. Now, it doesn't mean don't read your word. It doesn't mean don't meditate. But if your purpose is to push God forward in your life in the sense so you can have control, it's not going to work. We don't work the word. The word works us. I am going to need some more water. Don't be sifted by the enemy. Don't have no agreement with him. Because I carry, I don't know how you say it, but sin will take you farther than you intended to go. How do you say it? Sin will take you further than you want it to go. And keep you longer than you want it to stay. How many, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Hey, man. How many people have experienced that? Man, we made one decision before you know it, it's three months down the line. I'm like, Lord, where am I? Where am I? Thank you. I don't want to have no parts of sin. And the Lord revealed this to me in Romans this week. Sin takes opportunity and occasion. Sin is like a person. It's like you open yourself to it. It's like, hey, can I do this with you? It takes opportunity and occasion. You should take opportunity to spend time with your wife. You should take occasions to do something nice for people you love. Sin takes opportunity because of the law to cause you to fail. And before you know it, you done spent three or four months in the flesh, and now you got to reap decay, ruin, and destruction. That's the law. And if we knew the law in the sense where God has delivered us from it, we want to have no part of it. It says if you're in the spirit, you're above the law. But if you're not in the spirit, you are in the flesh. And that flesh stinks. It's dirty. It's nasty. Okay. The next reason we must die is so others 
may live or be raised from the dead. Can you give me Matthew 27, 52? And I love this, man. I was listening to some Kathleen Carnally before our youth conference, and this jumped out of me in the song. And it says, in the grave, this is after Christ was crucified. Okay, this is after he, he, he died and was buried. And it said, and the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Your death has the power to raise other people to life. Your death, okay, I look at Carl, I look at Carrie, two men in here. Because Carl decided to die, Mamie was raised to life. Because Carrie, oh my gosh, his entire family is being raised to life. Because one person, and then it's trickling down on all of Mamie's side. Somebody who's not bloodly or directly connected to a family has a direct effect. Are y'all dying for people to live? Carl, I got to take one of his, his hotness. He said, until, how you say it, bro? I don't want to mess it up. It's good. About your life. It, it, your life is mean. Tell me. Your life means absolutely nothing until it's laid down for another. Have we laid down our life for another person? And men, I'm going to say it just like this. If you're married, the first person is your wife. And then it's your kids. We can't get that order. The kids ain't more important than your spouse. I'm tired of seeing people get neglected because they're choosing children over the person that helped make that child. And if you take care of the person that helped you make the children, trust me, the kid's going to be taken care of. But the death you die for her, she's going to live for you. And as she lives for you, if you, got ki- if you have children, they're going to live for you too, and they're going to be raised to life. Your life is meaningless until it's laid down for another. Okay, if you don't have a spouse. Some of us got parents in here that need to be delivered, that need healing, and some of us have yet to fast for them. And you know the word. You know you can fast for somebody else to see them healed. We don't want to do it because we like food too much. It don't mean nothing until they die. And we always look back and say, God, I wish I'd have did more. That's a lazy life. Tell God this year, I don't want to waste nothing. I don't want to look back another year and say, God, I could have spent more time with you. God, I could have did more for your people. You could have blessed me more. Those days are over. We need more of God. And he wants all of us. It says, and many bodies of the saints, all of us are saints. But we have to appear to people in the city so they can see. I love Carrie. Carrie was in the church. He had leadership in the church. But once Carrie died, he had to go back out and appear to many. If he would have never appeared to many in the city, there would have been no truth in his testimony. Every, how many times you go somewhere and they say, Carrie, you're different? What changed? I'm telling you, you haven't died until people do not recognize you. You haven't died until they don't recognize you. Carla and Mamie just went out and started appearing to the city now. It's our time for that. If you've died, you got to show the world what Christ's power is. The music off? All right. Okay, the third point is so Christ can live through us, which Mimi said that's Galatians 2.20. Can we go to that? And these, the last two scriptures I have is when I first came to ministry, Carrie was ministering this, and it never left me. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is 
no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, which is not sinful nature, it's the house for the Holy Spirit. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have to die so Christ can live in us. Point, bank, blank, period. God wants to, to, to extend his kingdom to all the earth. He's going to do it through you. And the fourth point is to enter into a greater fellowship with Jesus. Philippians 3.10. I'm almost done, folks. What? Okay. Can you put it in an amplifier for me? It stopped raining, too. There's no rain. For my, de- my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over, over believers. And that I may so share with his sufferings as to be continually transformed in the spirit into his likeness, even to his death and the hope. It said you can only perceive the things of the spirit by the spirit of God. You can't perceive the things of the spirit by the flesh. In order to know God and have more fellowship with him, you must be in the spirit. If you're in the spirit, that means your flesh must have to have died. So we, want, we must enter into a greater fellowship with Jesus. My third point is what happens when we die. This is what happens when we die. You know when somebody dies, their spirit leaves their body instantly. And then it flows to wherever it's supposed to go. So when you die, there is acceleration on that death in your life. And this is what I mean, or this is what it means. You will have acceleration in your life in all areas if you die to the things of the flesh. Because your spirit must take place and must come forth. There's no flesh to house it. The flesh has died. So there must be an acceleration in the spirit. It's going to go to its intended purpose and destination. Another point is there's no flesh in the way. Flesh clogs up God's system. Second point is victory. This is what happens when we die. We have victory. Fear no longer has grip on you. And can you give me 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and 56? Now, I know the scripture is pertaining to when Jesus comes back at his second coming. But I want you to look at it from a different perspective. Um, Give it to me from 50 going to 57. 50 through 57. Yes, sir. Fear no longer has grip on you when we die. You don't see a dead man trembling for dear life or when something comes upon him. He's at the mercy or whoever moves the body. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must, must put on incorruption, and then this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, excuse me. This, mor- this and this mortal has put on immortality, then it shall be brought to pass 
The saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death, the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you go back one? Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment. The moment we are changed is the moment we decide to die. Listen to this. In this season, we all have to identify what God is asking us to change. The moment we identify it or God reveals it to us and we choose to die to it, we're changed that instant. Meaning you make a conscious choice. I'm not going to be like that. You are changed that instant. And the trumpet sound is revelation. That is God calling all of heaven to speak to you and move on your behalf. And then it says, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal body has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Listen to this. When you are willing to give up your life and die to the things of the flesh, you become immortal. Immortal. Yes, that sounds weird because we think of immortality in a Greek or in a uh, mythological sense. But you can look at immortality as eternity or eternal. The spirit of eternity said the things that are seen are the things that are not everlasting or eternal. But the things that are not seen are the things that are eternal. If we die, we enter into the spirit, which is not seen, and we enter into immortality. And you'll become an, asso an associate with immortality. That means you have entered the eternal realm. Things of the world no longer have effect on you. Your mortal temples, what your spirit dwells in. You're not moved by your emotions. Your emotions have no power over you. A dead man doesn't have any emotions, if you know that. Most of the time they sit there and they remain lifeless until the morgue or the people come and pick them up and move them. This place is a morgue. We die here, but then we also use resurrection power to bring people back to life. The death is not forever. Jesus made what was corruptible incorruptible. It said that Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. Sin had no power over his flesh. Jesus took on sin so that we can become incorruptible. If you fellowship with him, you have incorruptibility on your life. We're moving. Another thing that happens when we die is others around us reap the benefit of our death. Now, that kind of sounds like what I mentioned earlier about people being raised to life around you. Can you give me Romans 5, 12 through 19? I only have a few more minutes. We must die. Let's stop giving energy and power in a house for the enemy to use. Romans 5, 12 through 19. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until now the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, 
even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is the type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through one, through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through one, Jesus Christ. That it? Oh, therefore, as though one man's offense One's man, one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free grace, the free gift, the act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Also, by one man's obedience, many will be made, right, will be made righteous. I really probably could have read the last scripture. To make this point. But Paul goes so deep into this that because of one man's transgression, it affected all of mankind. And because of one man's obedience, he reversed the curse. Now listen to this. Your life and death is not your own or just for you. Many others are depending on your obedience and your willingness to die. Because of one man, Carl, Carrie, there are people living around them. The, the curse is reversed. No longer do they have to suffer the sting of death. They no longer have to reap the decay of corruption. If we knew how important we were to other people's lives, wouldn't we do things differently? If you knew what your life meant for another person, unknowingly to them, wouldn't you do things differently? The first word, the word I got from the first word I got in here, Miss Teresa, she was doing her ordination teaching, and I came in here. Ganji was here that night, and um, Tori came up, gave her life to Christ, and I'm like, Lord, I need to hear from you. But shame kept me in my seat because I ran from the Lord almost ten years. And um, I said, Lord, if you want to speak to me, you'll come back and get me. I said this in my head, and I ain't spent no time talking to God, so I don't even know why I was talking, but it's so funny how it works in those moments. Miss Teresa came back, and she hugged me. Oh, my gosh. I might have broke her back. I squeezed her so hard. I did, and she started speaking prophetically to me. And she said, Chris, I don't even know if she knew my name, but this is what I remember. She said, many have been waiting on you. And long story goes to short, she was saying there would be a great harvest because you're making the choice now. He said, many are waiting and have been waiting on you. I would have never knew that because I was in the flesh. Selfishness. Worrying about my own gratifications. Wanting to do life the way I want to do life. Your life is not your own, folks, when you give it to Christ. Your words are not your own. Your actions are not your own. It's so much greater than that. We got to stop playing. I'm telling you, the spirit of Jesus lives inside of you. 
and he has all power and all dominion. And he is a gentleman, so he will give you what you speak. What are some, what are some signs or manifestations of someone who has died? <laughs> I leaves the vocabulary. It's no longer I this, I that, it does, it's gone. They become unaware of themselves. You can look at a dead body, they don't think nothing about themselves. How many people really have seen, I've seen a dead body before. We've, a lot of us seen that it don't. Are they aware of themselves? They're gone. Selflessness. There's a greater capacity of service. And in service, there's an anointing for service, and then you can step into the glory for service. And here's my scripture for it. And this is for all the evangelists in the house. If you can get this, you will move in kingdom power. You will move in signs, wonders, and miracles. Can you give me first Acts 6, 1 through 7? I've been waiting to talk about this. Every evangelist has a spirit of Philip on them. Now in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, the Hellenists, Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And saying, pleased the whole multitude. And the saying, pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Neclanor, Timon, Parmenes, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they prayed and laid hands on them. And then, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great and many of the priests were obedient to the faith. When you die, you enter into servanthood. A greater level of service comes upon you. So the first thing we hear about Philip is he is, he is appointed to serve tables and look after the widows, right? That's the first thing we hear about him. And there's no sound or hint at complaint against all those that were chosen. It's not even recorded that they complained about it. They, they probably took it honorably. Like, I would love to do this. The next one is Acts 8, 4 through 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in the city. The first thing we hear about Philip is that he's a servant. The very next thing we hear about him, he's operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. And he's preaching the word of God. If you want to flow in the supernatural realm of God, you need to become a servant. Especially if you're an evangelist. Because the spirit of Philip can come upon you. And that's not it. Philip converted the person that went and converted all of Ethiopia or a portion of Ethiopia. 
That's magnitude. I learned that from Carrie. With Bathsheba, the, what was her name? The queen of Ethiopia. God puts it in your heart to serve, folks. I was here two years, and I still try to practice service all the time. You must take on the heart of a servant. You must. One day you will be serving tables. And the next thing that is recorded about you, you went about preaching the word of God. You went about healing the sick, casting out demons. Some of us won't even serve ourselves. We won't. But you want to see the power of God move. Some of us won't even serve the people around us, the people that have done the greatest things for us. It's humbling to serve. I like it. Whenever this, this flesh wants to start reeking, I say, Lord, where, where is a bathroom that I can clean? Not pridefully. I'm talking about, have you cleaned the back of a toilet before? It will humble you. And I love that humility. And it's because I'm, I'm no greater than anybody. It's not even I who live anymore. So when this thing or, or the flesh want to take a stand, you got to put it to death right away. Because if you don't, you're enforcing the, the enemy's kingdom. I love this because if we can get that, man, I'm telling you, you'll see a massive move in the kingdom of God. Tell you, evangelist, if you can get the ideal of serving down, you'll see things you've never seen before. And this is my last note. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is my last note. Another sign of the manifestation or a sign of someone who's died. They have willingness to give up any and everything for true life. You ever seen anyone on their deathbed that know they didn't live to their full capacity? And they just look and say, man, I would give anything for one more shot. And can you give me John 3.34 again? If you're willing to give up everything for God, God's going to drop this on you. God sends those. He sent us all. But you have to be willing to live for him. And if you're willing to live for him, he's going to give you words to speak. God will send you because your life is all about him. When your life is all about him, all you talk about is him. And when, you all, when all you talk about is him, he will not give you his spirit by measure. You will have a boundless or bountyless or an unlimited spirit flowing upon you and inside of you. So what do y'all think? For death, it sounds fun, right? It's an adventure. You can take it day by day, and God will walk with you through it. I hope this sheds some light. It's more important than what we think it is. Now, I'm going to open the floor for this. Just because I want to see God move. Who wants to see God move? Just one person. I love it, man. Two people. Yes. Hey, man. You're going to get what you came for tonight. No one is perfect. No one is perfect. But all we have to do is be willing vessels of the king. So just because I'm about to pray for the spirit to be released upon you without measure doesn't mean I walk perfectly in that. But because God has spoken it to me, I'm willing to see what will happen. Does anybody else want to see what happened if we just start praying and ask God to release the spirit without measuring here?
Are y'all with me? I got one song. I'm trying to think if I should play this other song. Yeah, we're going to play the other song. I got two songs, and I may let one of the songs repeat over and over again. I want you guys to come up. And as the Spirit, I would love, Carrie, I would love for you to help me. Um, I want to lay hands. And I want to pray for the Spirit to be released upon you without measure. Just so you know, um, when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit came upon him. It was already inside of him, y'all. He was the Son of God. So when God is getting ready to do a major work, or if he wants something done in his kingdom, he releases the Spirit upon people. Did y'all know that? The power of God, the Spirit of God is inside of you to execute what you know to do. What you know, what you know to do within God's parameters of what he's given you. But when there's a great task, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it's not by your strength or by your might. It happened in Acts continually. They were continuously filled and the Holy Spirit will come upon them constantly. Okay? So if you want to come up to the front, if you want the Spirit without measure, just come to the front. And as me and Carrie praise, we're going to let this one song play. And this song is... Uh, from Kathleen Carnally, and it sings what Jesus did when he died for us. Now we're going to play another song, and it's going to be good. Will you hit the lights for me? <clears throat> Not that one, that one. Oh, yeah. 